Hey everybody and welcome to this episode of Dare to Make It and today we are talking about where the makers movement is going. Um, it's been around for a long time. It's constantly growing. So we just wanted to have a conversation about what it may look like in the future and all the things that are kind of going on right now. So with me as always is my co-host yeah. and husband, Clay. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> okay, so we want to, you know, kind of get into where we think the movement is headed. Um, yeah, yeah. And, you know, we were having a conversation before. So when we do these episodes, we kind of do a little bit of prep. and like, But we, not a whole lot. We don't, because we want yeah. it to be natural and authentic. Yeah. We don't want to script anything. But we do put, like, bullet points together of, like, you know, trying to help us stay on topic. Because we have a tendency to ramble and get off topic and talk about other stuff. He asked me what I thought about it. I was like, I don't know. I don't know where it's going. <laughs> and I, I, was, I looked at Amy and I go, so you've never had a thought about this whole maker thing and how big it is and how, how it's grown and, and where it might be going in the future. And she goes, well, no. I mean, I, I, I'm, I, she's in her world, man. <laughs> I think about it like, oh, it's growing. So that's good. That's great. I'm yeah. doing the right thing. And that right. is as far as I go. Wow. But I tend to be not, I, I tend to not be like a, where am I going to be five she, years from now? That's true. That's true. I and tend to be more like, hey, I'm going to figure out this tomorrow. Week. Yeah. What's the, what are we doing tomorrow? And, and, I'm, I mean, and I'm a dreamer. I'm a little bit of a like a like I think about those bigger things, you know, and how it's affecting stuff. But I but it kind of goes along with my work too. My work requires that I think kind of that way. Yeah. So it's just kind of made me think that way. Well, I mean. It, it would be beneficial for me to think that way because I'm, I'm just now getting into like as I'm doing Pyrocrafters full time and I'm learning all these like small business lessons. Yeah. Okay. I need to start creating quarterly goals and plans of how I'm going to hit those goals and then like yearly goals. And I'm I'm getting there. I'm working my way toward those steps. But I think it's good that we're both, we have different perspectives because yeah, our listeners yeah, sure. are going to be different too. Yeah, they're, absolutely. There are going to be people that plan and there are going to be people that just are like, hey, I'm, I'm, in the, I'm headed in the right direction. So yeah, that's yeah. good. Well, and one of the reasons, one of the major reasons why I probably think about it m the most is because um, it really excited me when it started. Yeah. The movement started and, and, and I can't date, you know, I can't give you an exact date of when that happened. I'm sure there's articles written on it or whatever, yeah. but and nobody can really pinpoint it. You know what I mean? Cause then it gets into the deeper philosophical. What is making, is this part, is this a maker thing? Is it not, you know, so to avoid all of that, well, let's just say roughly, you know, the last several years makers have popped on the scene in this whole making yeah. movement. So the excitement of that has got me questioning where it's going, but also the opportunities. So as a maker myself, I'm also like, Hey man, what if, you know, like if I can get ahead of the game, you know, cause some of my, some of the people that I really follow and watch closely are like people like Elon Musk and, and, you know, People hear about him a lot because he's, you know, Tesla and, and SpaceX and stuff. But but I'm looking at all the other things he's doing, too, because they're mm -hmm. Tesla's talking about. Um, well, they've been very secretive about it, but they're talking about redesigning the home HVAC system. 
which would really turn oh, the market yeah. up on on its head, right? Because of the traditional. Because it hasn't been redesigned in forever, decades, yeah. probably. So he's talking about taking some of the technology <laughs> that they actually put into the Tesla for the heat pump system for their own heating cooling for the car. Yeah. Uh, because it's terribly efficient for obvious reasons. Yeah. And making it available for the home HVAC. So they're actually looking into that. I think his big goal is... He's just going to be running the world one day, isn't he? I mean, now he's getting into internet and he's got people, you know, flying up into space and doing all kinds of stuff. You know, you got the Hyperloop travel system. So he's, he's worried about how we live no i understand like, you know what i'm saying the next holistically thing you know, he's gonna be building his own planet he and could then he's be. gonna be putting condos on it D- true i and, actually and I you think could like move and live into it on another planet well his goal is to get to mars right with spacex um uh-huh. and i forget what date like 2030 or something crazy but i think he's gonna take over mars man i think he oh. will be like the president of mars oh, okay well yeah i mean and rightfully there. so i mean he'd, he'd be the first man to get there probably so you, you well, put the I'm flag go, down. I'm it's staying like, right here. What was the old movie with like Tom Cruise and Don't Nicole know. Kidman when they were like in the old days and he ran out and they throw the oh, flag that, down? It was an Irish movie. Yeah, yeah. But I don't remember. Well, it was an American movie, but they may have been well, I mean, Irish American. Irish in it. Yeah. But they right. run out and they plant the flag on the property, right? And then they, what is that called when you, anyway. I don't know. Yeah, but, but, but I remember but him he having will like his a bad cl- Irish accent. Yeah. That's all I remember. It was pretty terrible. <laughs> Nicole's was good, but she's already. She's already. Well, no, she's not. She's Australian. Well, yeah, I knew she. How I knew she, dare you? I knew she wasn't Irish, but I, she has an accent already. How dare so you? It's say less that. of a transition for her, probably. Well, I would think. True. Yeah. I mean, I could be wrong. I don't know how hard it is to go from Australian accent yeah. to Irish. She's I, wrong. She's wrong. <laughs> anyway, moving on. Um, no, mine are good. So. so that was a sidetrack, but the point <laughs> is, um, the excitement of. Of the maker's movement, yeah, is still real with me, even though we've we've been doing it because I'm I'm kind of always going, okay, what next? Who is going to pop on the scene? Mm-hmm. What new cool thing is going to be there? Because now the light, the latest and greatest 3D printing, CNC, you know, those kind of cool things. So for me, it's also where are the opportunities in the future? Because I'm not just a bump on a log. I actually think about, hey, if I could get a in the game ahead of time, what could I make a business opportunity out of or whatever, you know? Well, I think there's, you know, it stems from, you know, have like that consumer age where everybody was buying inexpensively made and stuff that's, it's cheap, you know, and you can buy everything so cheaply, but it's also low quality. So then people want, it stems to like, people wanting to make their own things and then they're like, Oh, I can turn this into a business. And right. so then you see other people doing it. And you're like, Oh, I can do that. Right. I right. can t- make that into a business. And, and so now here we are. So X amount of years later where you got a lot of people jumping in the game and some people are, you know, just want to make their own stuff. Right. So that they have their own things. And then some people want to like start a little business or whatever. Yeah. And Etsy, we were talking about, Prior to the show, Etsy mm-hmm. is one of those indicators that the maker movement is has progressed to e-commerce and yeah, you know what I'm saying because now you have all of these artisans who are making um whatever they deem homemade, handmade, whatever you know, and there's different terminologies there as well. Um, but yeah. mm-hmm. they're you know they're they're doing all that. That's a strong indicator that people a want handmade goods and i have a theory on that um and that has to do with 
either they want unique because you know everybody's always forever even in the consumer quote unquote consumer age that you spoke about um in the 80s and 90s and early Mm -hmm. 2000s everybody always said man i wish i could find a unique perfect gift for this person yeah right and that's just a common human trait you want to find something cool that fits this person perfectly well this is opens the opportunities for that and i think that's why etsy and other platforms are so um, successful. Yeah. Uh, also, I feel like the, the second part of that, I feel that the makers movement has allowed people to perhaps take advantage of some of the uh, situational things that are happening. Mm-hmm. So for case in point, COVID situation where everybody's quarantined at home. Next thing you know, we were short on masks. And what do you do? You go to you go to Etsy and now everybody's making masks. Now we have too many masks. Now we have too many masks. But that's okay. That's yeah. not a bad thing. Yeah. Well you can have a mask for every yeah. outfit. Yeah. Right? So you can buy Well like get, wait a second for for a, a mask moment. for each to match <laughs> yeah. every outfit. The tux you've got. would have the black, right? Right. So, so if you're if you have an evening out and the you bedazzled. need an elegant mask to yeah. match your Formal wear. I could see you with a white one and with just bedazzled jewels on it. Yeah. That would be I can't. I wouldn't be able to breathe out of it, but it would look Well, no, but it'd look great. Yeah. 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 Cut little tiny holes in it. Nobody would see. I've got something to add to the Etsy thing. So we're talking about where the makers movement is going. And and, and the whole, I might be getting too into the weeds with it, but. Yeah. Maybe it's another episode for another time. Talk about whether you should be on Etsy or whether you should have your own website or whatever. Because right. I know a lot of makers, you know, struggle with that question. Where do I sell my stuff, right? Yeah. But it, to me, Etsy, because I've been on Etsy. I had my Etsy shop for a while. And, and it's very attractive because it's you've got like millions and millions of people already in there shopping, looking for stuff. And it's it's free to set up. It's easy to set up. You can just load your pictures and your descriptions and bam, you've got a store online. Yeah, yeah. It's a very low risk way to set up your stuff. So it's very attractive for people that don't have website experience, et cetera, et cetera. But I hear me, I hear a butt. Yeah. Yeah, but I hear a butt coming. There's a couple of things going on and, and you guys, you know, listeners, correct me if I'm wrong, hop on over to our social and, and comment ad. First it's really saturated. It's really overly saturated with so much stuff. And I think yeah. it's it's becoming saturated with people that aren't necessarily making their things. Do you know what I'm saying? Like I, I I don't I don't know because I don't I've I peruse it occasionally for certain items. But I see so many things being made at such a mass production rate that when you search, when you're searching for things, I think there's no way a human is making these things unless they have some sort of like, well, see now manufacturer set up. And so I, it, which if you've got your own little manufacturing thing set up and you're doing the, your thing, there's nothing wrong with that. Right. But but it it makes me question, like, is there somebody marketing things and selling it as they are a handmade item, but they're not hand making it. That's the question. I'm not, I'm not saying like, if you know how to like streamline and manufacture your handmade stuff at a, at a crazy rate, that's great. But I, my, what I'm getting in is into is like overseas sellers that are selling things that have the appearance of being handmade that aren't. So like, I'm, questioning starting to question like the credibility and validity of some of the products on there 
Sure. Because when it first got started, it was all just like, you know, people making stuff out of their houses and like yeah, yeah, out of their yeah. garages and they right. started these little small businesses. And now I see things on there that I'm like, that, that they didn't make that. That but wasn't see, made. It, but see, it, it, that's a valid argument and a valid conversation. But then it, it goes to what we alluded to as that philosophically, that's where we're discussing Etsy and these different platforms mm-hmm. and, and the inherent... Uh, vultures that end up coming in and ru- kind of ruining platforms. Right, because my point is, it, it kind of waters down the maker movement, the 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 base and the foundation yeah. and the point of what a maker's movement. Well, is. that's yeah, well, that's a valid point, and may, maybe in talking about where it's going, maybe that's a good, a valid concern. Maybe maybe it's not just good things where it's going. Maybe it's bad things. Maybe it's like, well, hey, Etsy, if you let anybody and everybody. Um, because you have to determine, but again, it goes back to philosophically, you have to determine what is a maker then and, and an yeah. artisan, like, is it somebody who hand makes or hand constructs or, um, oh, because if you make things on a CNC machine, you're not technically hand making. I mean, I don't know. Are you? Well, no, I don't, I don't mean stuff like that, you know, because there's a lot of digital projects, products yeah, on there true. too that, because, you know, graphic designers are literally making them. digitally yeah yeah and i don't think there's anything wrong with that but i also think there are people that are that are not making the digital products they're selling they're just getting them from somewhere else ripping them off somebody else yeah putting them on there and selling them so they didn't have any hand in making it at all right right i i didn't mean like literally making it with your hands i just meant like I know what you mean, that it came from a single art uh, like intellectual property kind of thing right and the art, you know, some yeah. of the art on there, I question, like, Where did was it come that from? made by a machine? Yeah, yeah. You know, because you've got these big, like, machines that can make these pieces of art on a canvas that weren't painted. Right. The machine painted it. Yeah, yeah. You know, but again, you get to that, like, where's the line there of, like, yeah, and I think making I, I, and not making. I, I mentioned Etsy as just an indicator, uh, not even a very specific one, not even a, a, a hugely accurate one but just something vaguely that we could put our finger on and say hey the the artisan the creative the maker movement Mm -hmm. those who are creatively inclined and and want to make things on their own um there's a venue now for that called etsy and it's pretty darn big and it's pretty popular well and the reason i bring it up is because i can see you know makers sort of getting away from that type of platform and and creating their own because it's getting easier and easier um to build your own website if you don't have any website experience and i know you're an advocate for that because i know in our own discussions about pyrocrafters and and uh, dare to make it and all of these other vin- ventures that we have going that you have a tendency to want to single source that platform. Yeah. And I, and I, ha- I also see, and I'm not against it. I'm not, you know, pro Etsy or pro whatever, No, I'm. but, I mean, I'm, uh, it, well, yeah. but, but what I'm saying is I'm, but I also see the um, advantage for some makers to go that route because of the traffic flow. Now, oh, absolutely. But I now, that route. as the as the the um um what do you call it? the traffic in the in the as that platform such as Etsy fills up with so many makers that mm-hmm. you get lost in the sea of makers, 
you, then you have to weigh the options and go, okay, well now, it, you know, five years ago, this was the hot spot and I made a ton of money and I'm, and it's great, but now I can't even, they can't even find me in the search in the, bar. In the noise, yeah. Yeah, in the noise. So the fog of war, you know, like, so now I have to move to my, either my own individual or find the hottest new artisan outlet. Right. right. Well, I went on to Etsy because it was easy and I needed a place to just ha- have customers create a transaction. Yeah. And I didn't have the time to like set up a whole website, even though right. I'm a web designer. I know yeah. how to build my own website. Right. Um, but I went to Etsy because it's so easy to just throw your stuff up. And I, I wasn't looking for Etsy traffic. I had a thriving social media channel and all of my customers were coming from my social media channel so i just needed a place where my customers could make a transaction and right. that's why yeah. i used etsy yeah because it's just easy and i don't think it's a bad platform i just think if we're talking about how the makers movement is shifting because a lot sure. of people associate etsy with like handcrafted things or like making supplies because they have that whole section where you can buy like yeah, supplies yeah, yeah. and stuff absolutely i just wanted to mention it because i think things are shifting that way yeah. where Etsy were sort of tied with the homemakers movement. Now right. things are kind of evolving and progressing into and, other and things. Kind of, yeah. But isn't that true with every platform? You notice yeah, that absolutely, yeah. like we're talking about Craigslist. It was, yeah. it was great. Everybody loved it. And then all of a sudden, well, then pervs and weirdos started getting on there and just and like, then like, yeah, like the Craigslist killer or yeah. whatever it was that guy up in, Right. Yeah, exactly. So, day. but every platform you give it to people, and eventually, over time, yeah. they're going to pollute it. So, yeah. um, unless there is a constant proactive measure well, in trying to ab- abate that kind like of behavior, like you said, how do you draw that line? How, what is the phys- philosophical? I don't know line that you draw. I don't know. You just go to your own site. <laughs> I mean, they, I mean Etsy, your... Etsy can't possibly police all that. You no, know you I mean? can't. But that, so. but that's why I'm saying like it's okay. I think for when when platforms are begin in that manner. It's probably a safe space, and you can get after it, and and you can make your your living, your dime on it. But yeah. but you have to always have a redundancy in place to where you can shift over, or you just start on your own on your own built website, and you promote yourself. Yeah, I mean, I'm a, I'm an advocate of that because I think even if you go on Etsy, you still have to work so hard. To, be to drive yeah. the traffic there. Right, right. So having a platform where you've got millions of people is it's not even really that big of a benefit. Sure. To me, the biggest benefit about Etsy is that it's easy to set up and it's free. And I have to so, just follow your advice on this because I have no idea about about setting up for Etsy or anything. I just right. loosely know that it's a, a community of makers and artisans. And, yeah. and is it artisans or artisan? It seems like it plural sure. would be artisan. No, maybe not. I don't know. Anyway, I may I'm have misspoke, but um, we can ask Google. Well, well, I'll occasionally <laughs> use both terms, and then I'll be fifty percent right. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. We'll go in the middle there. Anyway, I just great point, but I maker oh, movement wise, yeah. you know, setting up your own website, you have more control. Valid argument. I think. I think it's also a good point about the future of the movement is that with platforms, you just have to be aware of that. That yes, holistically, it's a great indicator that the maker movement is thriving. However, there's some downfall in that when it starts to get polluted by people that are just out there to make money only and not really care about the the quality and the hand built nature of of the maker movement. So, moving on. Yeah. Yeah. Because you know, back in the day, you had people like 
um, people sold their stuff at like trade shows and you'd go to like a craft fair. Yeah, and yeah. They all, they, Love that. People sell all of their stuff. People still yeah. do that. that well, there's that, nothing wrong with that, but online is such a powerful thing, especially now with COVID. That, you know, there's it, it is. shutting down all the fair, craft fairs and stuff. Well, that's another thing. Cr- uh, creative fairs, like maker f- fairs, yeah. were actually, um, I did a little bit of research, Was are actually on the uptick um, over the last several years, like they've really been growing and getting bigger, especially mm-hmm. in bigger cities and bigger areas. But of course the pandemic has really uh, changed. That, oh, it's yeah. really changed that. So now, you, you know, now you really have to question, okay, what is that going to look like now? Is it, uh, my, my heart tells me that that's just temporary. And as soon as we get, vaccinated and everybody's kind of like through all the strains and it just becomes normal flu type situation every year that we will get back to business. Fairs will open again. Um, and nothing beats the experience of going to a maker fair and going to a place where they have crafts and, and I'll tell you what, it's probably going to boom even more. Yeah. Because people are starving for it. Just craving being that's right out and about, but socially, the vendors will clean up because we've been socially isolated so long. We won't know how to negotiate or anything. We'll yeah. just be like, uh, okay, you know, <laughs> yeah, me money, me give you money for craft, you know. Yeah, we will have regressed. In a society that was already struggling <laughs> with <laughs> you <have to> communicate <laughs> with the social, <laughs> yeah, in- interactment. I mean, is that a word? Interactment, Inter- Inter- interaction, inter- interaction. That's it. Yeah, because in my head I was thinking engagement. And interaction at the same time. And That's I, a new term. We coined it, folks. <laughs> a new word. Inter- we, TM, oh. what is it? Did I say interactment? Interactment. <laughs> TM interactment. That's ours. <laughs> Don't touch it. Uh, it reminds me of uh, the Office episode where, yeah. Um, God, who was it? Uh, Will Arnett? Had, oh, yeah. Yeah, he's a job interview. TM said documents. TM's, yeah. <laughs> Color code, TM. TM. Was, yeah. yeah. Did you just trademark that? <laughs> Where yeah, were we we're at? talking about craft fairs and going craft, to craft fairs. fairs. Yeah, and yeah. Stuff. So the maker fairs were uh, were growing, were blowing up. Pandemic, everything slows down. But my gut tells me it's going to blow right back up. Yeah, because things were getting real hipstery and fancy. Yeah, yeah, with, yeah. The, with the craft fairs. Yeah, you know, like um, what's the one we went to in Tennessee that we like so much? Oh, Made South. Made South. Yeah, yeah. We actually had a booth there. It was it was a lot of fun. We had a ton of fun. And it was a beautiful show. venue. And like they had they, they had so it. many incredibly talented people. At that yes. Show. It, it, yeah. Like it, we we wanted to spend everything we made yes. on other stuff and right. like just come home broke. I still want those cotton sheets. I I understand that that is a yeah luxury spend yes absolutely but i still want those cotton sheets yeah yeah i was a foodie i'm a foodie so i was like that's my poison right so yeah. um that and bourbon so i was like bourbon and food let's just find you know and it was in no short supply there yeah. we could probably yeah. have a whole episode talking to makers and talking with makers about how when you go to your own show to promote your products you <laughs> yeah. spend all your money on, on other, other things yeah stuff. yeah that's really what, and and we didn't expect to make a a windfall anyway. It was our first, um, out of state kind of yeah. fair. Uh, it's not even a fair. It's you know, it's just an event. Yeah, a maker, maker event. event. Mm-hmm. And uh, they have a anyway. They have a great thing going on. Made South does. Yeah, and they've been they've been keeping it up through the who's pandemic. The, who's they've been the doing founder? Like online. Chris Thomas or oh, Thompson? Gosh. I think I it's know Thomas. It's Chris something. But I think I it's Chris remember. Thomas, but he has a podcast and. He also does one on bourbon, I think, that I really think is cool, you know, because mm-hmm. 
I don't know, bourbon's a big deal now. Yeah. And uh, I didn't like it at first, but man, years ago, I started getting into it. And I'm like, man, this is pretty, I'm okay with this. The podcast or the bourbon? The bourbon. Oh, okay. I'm not a heavy drinker. Any, I mean, we're not. We hardly ever yeah. partake, but. Um, Occasionally we do. But the occasional cocktail is pretty good. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it was getting kind of fancy and. Yeah. And um, hipstery or bougie or whatever kind of. Kind of thing uh, going kind on. Kind of word you want to label it with. But, yeah. Uh, we really enjoyed it. We had a lot of fun. and But, you know, shows aren't good for us. I think, depending on the craft that you do, shows aren't for everybody. Because we, right. we tend to do a lot of custom work. And um, our art in the show, we sell some pieces. But yeah. the majority of our business is through custom work. So, you know, people see our work and then they want us to make them something so <laughs> yeah yeah um so we don't yeah. do a lot of shows now we just do everything online because it just it's a better venue for us i mean shows are expensive and it's yeah, very time consuming and it's a lot of work And when you don't yeah. garner a lot of return there's not a right. lot of point doing and, it, and, so. and part of that which is i think great and you know we'll we'll discuss that in a, a future lessons learned episode yeah um, I'm um, getting off track. I'm sorry. Yeah, because we'll we will get off track and and talk about that, but um, we'll definitely circle back and in, yeah. in that we need to bring that up because I have some points to to make a, about your return on investment for events. Right. I I warned everybody in the yeah. beginning that we do tend to get off track. So. Yeah, we do. So it's all good. Where were we? Well, we're we about we were talking about maker fairs and how we yeah. think that's going to blow back up. The other thing, the other huge area that I'm convinced that it's going to blow up. I told Annie before the episode, as we were just kind of re- not recapping, but just kind of running through the, the talking points, mm-hmm. is that when, in terms of 3D printing, CNC, CAD, you know, the, all these kind of like STEM-driven, um, and for those who are not understanding that term, it's science, technology, engineering, and math. You know, anybody who has kids now probably have to hear STEM in their curriculum. Those are the big major focus areas where, A, we're falling behind in the United States compared to everywhere else in the world because they're kind of like embracing all of the STEM stuff. And we need to really pick up the pace. So in, in response to that over the last few years, it appears that certain schools, especially those with with resources to do so, have begun to get 3d printers and teach children this stuff yeah um because and i think that's incredibly smart because in the future if we're preparing the workforce in school which that's really what we're doing let's not fool ourselves and think it's just to enlighten our children it's really to prepare them for a future occupation but if they're doing that it makes great good sense to go ahead and and teach them the skills they will need to to make right and and so I think that's really blowing up. And I, I told Annie that, you know, if I was Jules Verne for a moment and I thought, okay, I look forward to 40 years in the future, it would probably be commonplace that children are learning these maker-type skills. Who is Jules Verne? Oh, man. All right, we can cut that out, folks. It's no big deal. <laughs> Listen, is he, he must be an author. Author from the 1800s who kind of foresaw moon landings and all of this. You know, he was a dreamer. He thought about space and stuff yeah. like that. So very famous, extremely famous. Like Listen, you would have to live on an island not to know who Jules Verne well, is. Well, we all know. Well, we don't all know. I'm going to tell the listeners now. I don't yeah. like, I don't keep up with stuff. I just don't. <laughs> 
I, I don't read. I the respect news. that. I actually I do. I respect that you were like, no. Nah. If it if it didn't happen on this property, it didn't happen. Right. I don't know much about celebrities, although I have heard about the Hilaria Baldwin situation that <laughs> happened in the last couple. Of she days. just went there, man. But I don't. I don't keep up with a lot of that stuff. So I. Yeah. I don't know who that is. Yeah. I know I've heard the name before, but I'm. I don't remember what. Yeah. That person. I assume is. Was it a man, Jules Verne? Yes. Okay. What he did, I don't remember. Right. A lot of times you can like somebody will mention a name and but I, you know, I'm like, that's I've a, heard it, but I don't remember. He was a sci fi guy, so I okay. mean of course you you know. I was being ridiculous when I was saying that anybody everybody should know who he is. I'm yeah. just saying I'm just being I clay. Probably should. It's fine. Like no. I know who Shakespeare is and I know well, who that's the good big enough. Ones are. There you go. That's, that's fine. Yeah. You're good. Shakespeare, got it. Check. John Grisham, you know, all the important <laughs> ones. <laughs> oh my gosh. Oh wow. We have a lot to talk about off there. Actually, I do read a lot of biographies, but they're they're mostly people that are like alive right now. Yeah. So going back, it's a, I don't even know if I finished our our original thought, but the no, thought was Jules Verne and the thought, yeah. If if yeah, I could if I could future. foresee in the future, I feel like forty or fifty years from now that that would be absolutely commonplace in every school that they teach. Um, they have either creative or innovation labs because you know the world is pushing innovation innovation so hard. You know, that I, I could see that they might have a creative lab or an innovation lab in every school. That, to mm-hmm. me, that would not blow my mind at all. No, I think, you know, Robotics, we've had this conversation many times how important creativity is and how it has been minimized in the schools because the, the curriculum is shifting more toward um, the stuff like, you know, math and English and science and all those kinds of things. I mean, I get it. There's I'm not saying there's anything wrong with that. I right. just... We've we've minimized the importance of creativity and and those sort of things in schools because they're trying to make more time for the other things. Yeah, yeah. And it's it's such an important part of who we are as people. We talked about this in like the second episode or something like that. Right. Yeah. Why why we as beings love to make things and create things, well, and um, it. We know we need to teach our children how to be creative. It is it is a skill that is, you right. know, you you have it when you're a kid. You know, kids will just create whatever without thinking the second thought about it, whether they know how to do it or not. They just sit down and do it, right? Yeah. And then we sort of lose that as we grow up, and That's then we true. we tell yeah. ourselves, "Well, I can't do that, and I can't do this, and why even bother trying?" Right. But we need to keep. Keep that in our kids as long as we can, because no matter what field you go into, you're going to have to yeah, employ it, some creativity yeah. at some point. What you said about STEM, I just I wanted to clarify that doesn't mean that it is void of creativity. It is, in fact, probably driven by creativity. Yes, however, like innovation, right, and All of that. However, you need to embrace that type of thinking. So I believe, like critical thinking, was a huge thing in curriculum for us. Um, at my work for many years of the past years, but I think it's also kind of a veiled attempt at saying be creative. Yeah. Um, it's like teaching, you know, like in the military, they teach you operational art mm-hmm. um, and operational sci- science, you know, the science and the art, and there's there's operational planning and operational art, and they can coexist. And the art is what you, you know, what typically doesn't get embraced it's it's always the science part. It's always the nuts and bolts that gets embraced and less of the, hey, let's explore here, right? Mm-hmm. Um, 
because typically in certain areas, depending on what you work in, uh, creativity is a little scary and a little risky, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. Because if you're working with a bottom line, say you're in a corporate setting and you're working with a bottom line, creativity is a little scary because for the for the managerial, you know, hierarchy, they are not they're not open to just know, pure unless they have unless they have a organ organizational understanding and organizational vision that is embraced across the organization that that allows that. But it's also a a must because yeah, while, while a company may have success right now and for the next 10, 20, even right. 30 years, eventually the model of their business will Falter. get swallowed yeah. up by the other companies that are popping up and creating new things and inventing and, and pivoting and changing with the right. time. So well, that's you, why you they stay in one bubble for too long. That's you why they can't. call it Netflix and not Blockbuster. Right, exactly. because because exactly. Netflix at, at the beginning had they would mail you the movies. Yeah, which now looking back, I seems, can you even do that now? No, I can think it seems ancient. No, so now it even in, in my mind, I'm like, God, I can't believe they actually did that. Right, like that's old school, man. And but that's how they started. But they and that adjusted. wasn't even that long ago. No, but they but they they adjusted to the situations and they were strategically agile and they moved to to the needs of the people. Right, and and you know. Thankfully, they did because we needed them. We've needed them this past year more than ever, right? Netflix, thanks so much. Streaming, yeah. Yeah. But now we get into, you know what? I'm not even going to say that. Don't do it. We're going to get off topic again. You're off topic already. I'm just going to say, I think there are way too many streaming services now. You live off topic. Why do we have so many streaming (laughs) services? Selection. It's way too many. (laughs) We only have so many shows to watch. Yeah. It's all the same content. Well, you know, my, my thoughts on, on the viewing stuff was always that we get rid of basic cable and do an a la carte system where you, yeah, you, I'm all for that. you, you literally channel by channel, handpick what you want and get charged per channel, mm. um, a flat rate. And then you build your own cable essentially. They'll never do that. No. I mean, it, it goes into like the, the whole like red tape of, cause yeah. they have to pay money to this network to get right. this and that, whatever. And they're never going to let you cherry pick the ones you want because yeah. it comes down to, there are some channels nobody's ever going to pick. I know, because right? the golf channel, what would they do? Just kidding. I don't, I don't know. I mean, there's a lot of people love golf. Yeah. But I can't watch it. I like to play it occasionally. I mean, I'm terrible. But it's fun to get out there and, and you know, slice a few into the trees. I have no no opinion on golf. No yeah. thoughts to add. <laughs> so Annie, I would drive the Annie, golf cart and drink. Any would be the... I, <laughs> Um, no thank you on the a la carte selection for golf channel. Yeah. Yeah. Most of the sports channels. Yeah, again, like I said earlier, I, when Clay asked me what my thoughts were on where the maker movement was going, I, was like, I don't know. I, know. I don't know what it's going to look like five years from now and yeah. or 10 years from now because, you know, COVID is a, is a factor now that we have to think about and, you know, shipping is changing and all these things yeah. and like, you know, here, here we thought that. Uh, because I, Amazon was owning it in terms of shipping, right? Mm-hmm. Um, for the longest time. Um, but you're talking about in terms of like US, USPS, FedEx, yeah, the other carriers. But yeah. but I, but we order a lot from Amazon, so we thought, okay, we've always been killing it with Amazon. But the pandemic, man, really has jacked up all the shipping. Yeah. And the worry I have about that is if they overcorrect knee jerk and build their shipping way more than is sustainable after the pandemic. 
So then all of a sudden you have all of these bolstered carriers who have no package to deliver. I don't know. know. I I think they'll just get more creative about how things are shipped. They need to get the drones, man. The drones need to be dropping the packages in the yard. I don't like robots i know I you don't annie this. is scared of robots dude she's waiting i don't like i showed uh annie uh i also let me clear this up i also <laughs> call annie katie. katie because as a kid that's what we called her because we kind of grew up together and um my, na- my name is annie catherine annie so. catherine we used to call her katie so i know her as katie but we we also call her annie for on the air so mm-hmm. but anyway back to what i was saying annie and i were discussing um, we're always talking about the robot thing, and she's Ugh. deeply concerned AI is going to take over the world. It will. It's it's not. It's, a she says it's, it's inevitable. It may not be in our lifetime, but it will definitely happen. Okay. So anyway, so <laughs> that that that's, that she believes is definitely going to happen, and I show they're going to push the limits. They I know, can't but, help themselves. How smart can we make them until it is too late? That's true, and that's well. That's what Elon Musk is concerned about because that's why he's doing Neuralink, which is also another. Oh my God, are you serious? He's concerned about it. I yeah. was joking, but no, you're being serious. I'm being right serious. Now. He he actually created a company called Neuralink, and they've studied inserting like probes into the brain, like these little. Anyway, it's hard to explain, but. Please just don't t- just don't tell me. I but no, he, he's doing that so we can fuse AI with people so that people have the control. That's not better. I know it's not better. It's scary, right? I just don't tell me anymore. I don't want anything put in my brain. I know you showed me that dancing robot the other day. Oh, dude, that, that was can classic. T- twist and turn like a real person. Boston Dynamics video showing this this the latest one of their latest. I mean, they're constantly cranking out robots to take the world over, but. Oh my goodness. Um, but yeah, I showed Annie and she just got so frightened. You know what? I think the important thing is, is just to keep ourselves as least important as possible. And yeah. then they won't care about us. That's true. But well, we what robot would care we about what we're about, doing? We won't do that. Nobody's ever going to care about what we're doing. Well, maybe. I mean, that, that sounded harsh. Hopefully people listen to this podcast. But yeah. I'm just saying, <laughs> like in general, if we just maintain a low enough profile... Just don't move. Everybody so just don't move the when the robots just come by. don't care about what we're doing. Yeah. We'll be fine. Everything's oh, fine. Man. I'm fine. Everything's okay. You know what? We should we should <laughs> actually record all of our conversations because what's gold is what happens off this this mic. Yeah. I mean, it's stuff that people are like, man, she is crazy. There, this you talking about off mic or on mic? Off mic. Well, on mic too, but <laughs> mostly off mic. Like, they'd be like, man, Annie's she's something else. Yeah. Robots taking over the world. Good stuff. Yeah. I'm not the only one thinks that. That's not weird. That's true. I'm concerned about AI, though. Anyway, we got way off course here, but... To, I don't know. To, I, that's a maker's thing. People are making all that. Well, they're making mess. robots and everything, right? Yeah. But to circle back, you know, my my big uh, rocks when in terms of what um, the future looks like for the making movement is A, education. More yeah. uh, an expanse in education. Be bigger, uh, bigger and newer and different platforms for e-commerce like Etsy, mm-hmm. um, but maybe a new flavor, a new you know, a new thing. Yeah. Um, and then just that focus on the STEM topic areas are going to be greatly increased as technology needs continue to grow. Mm-hmm. And I think that's my two cents, and we'll see. In forty years, we'll know if Jules Verne was right. That's right. And we have the uh, innovation lab in every school. I think we should. I think we should give children the opportunity to create and innovate. Heck yeah, I love it. 
I love that. That's um, what creates, you know, change, and that's what moves us forward. Yeah, I totally agree. I love it. You have to exercise <clears throat> that part of your brain to, in order to right. get better at it. I mean, and something has to change with school. It, it, you know, I don't want to get on a on a sidebar here about yeah. school, but the way the way it's taught, there's we have to infuse some sort of excitement, if you will, into the curriculum. Yeah. Well, the whole thing needs to change. And I opportunities, mean, yeah. Our education system, that's been a topic of discussion for Yeah. Decades. Well, especially in our household, because I'm I work in curriculum and stuff, so I'm always talking about the best, you know, way to kind of move forward. And everybody has, every educator has those kind of thoughts. Yeah. So, well, that's all I have. <sighs> that's all I've got, folks. Yeah. So, Enlightenment by Amy K. Right, I today. think we did good. I think we stayed on topic. No, uh, not much, but well, we it's okay. Pretty, though. pretty, yeah. maybe seventy percent of the time. I think seventy, maybe, yeah. Yeah, and hopefully, if you know, if we got off topic too much, it was at least entertaining. Hopefully so. All right, folks, thanks for joining us today. Um, that was our review of where are we going in the makers movement. You know what's happening in the future and uh, what we foresee. Again, we appreciate all of the the listens out there. And if you want to share what you think about the future of the Makers Movement, please leave it in the comments section. Yeah, hop on over to our uh, social media. We're on Instagram, Facebook, YouTube, you know, all the places. So hop on over to your favorite one and leave us some comments. Let us know what you think. Yep. And don't forget to dare to make it. That's right. That was good. I like that. I know. Keep it, clip it, put it in the end of every one. Okay. Love it. All right. Thanks for listening, everybody. We appreciate it. All right. Bye, guys.